Welcome back to our series on object relations theory. I'm Dr. Susan Cavaller Adler, and I would like to speak to you today about existential guilt versus neurotic guilt or spurious kind of falsely cognitively created guilt. First I will say something about existential guilt and how it goes back to Melanie Klein's theory in grief and the depressed position. There are articles and books that I have related to this topic. In the American Journal of Psychoanalysis there are two long articles I have about existential guilt as grief versus neurotic guilt and then about how compassion and interiority and other um, authentic self-development evolves when one goes to the depressive position and can also experience existential guilt as grief. Um, there's part one there's of that paper and part two of existential guilt versus neurotic guilt. Well, actually the title is Neurotic Guilt versus Existential Guilt as Grief, colon, Compassion, Interiority, etc. So those two articles are out there in the literature. They will be in my um, volumes of selected papers on contract with international psychoanalytic books, which will be coming out one at a time uh, of the volumes, at least three volumes of my selected papers. But I also have a book that you can get right now that uh, is sold both through Rutledge and through Amazon. It's the um, Anatomy of Regret from Death Instinct to Reparation and Symbolization in Vivid Case Studies. This is a very clinical book, and the whole subject of existential guilt as being able to tolerate conscious regret is critical to every case in that book. And I, in the very beginning, I talk about how Klein was, Melanie Klein was the first to talk about the mourning process not only as loss or bereavement, like. Freud did in his 1917 paper on mourning and melancholy, but also mourning as including in the process aggression, when ag aggression and rage could be brought to a symbolic level in the depressive position, um, then aggression is part and parcel of the mourning process along and getting to the grief affect of sadness or back and forth between aggression and sadness can all be part of the noting process. So Klein was the first to talk about aggression as part of a grieving process, which does not have to be just about bereavement, but about any separation or development in one's life where one leaves something behind and goes forward there's always loss, and so it's about separation loss, bereavement loss is included, but also all kinds of loss um, are related to where you can have aggression within the process, and as opposed to inhibiting the process, like Freud had in Mourning and Melancholia, 
melancholia, where the melancholia couldn't grieve because the aggression was turned against the cell and blocked the mourning process. Melanie Klein points out that when you can symbolize the aggression and contain it in symbolic language, which a psychoanalyst in an object relations framework particularly can help the patient do, when that can be contained in symbolic language, then aggression can be a part of the mourning process that leads to sadness and grief and back and forth with aggression rather than towards the lost object, of course, rather than being inhibited or blocked by the aggression as a defensive uh, dynamic turned in against the self, like in the melancholic that Freud describes. So existential guilt, and this again goes back to Klein about um, the pain of hurting the one you love and consciously feeling that pain, then one can mourn the destructiveness one creates in one relationship by one's aggression and hurting the one one loves. And that's existential grief, conscious feeling of regret. And that's why I wrote the book on anatomy of regret, which I say you can get today. Um, the anatomy of regret is all about how people went through very pri primal and very necessary psychic change through being willing to consciously face their regrets rather than denying regrets. Um, you know, the, that Pilaf song on no regrets, you know, that's the colloquial fantasy of not having any regrets, but in truth, as human beings, we always have regrets, and we can learn through our regrets. Even Oprah had a whole show on regrets once. Um, we can learn through our regrets to not only become better human beings for relationships and more capable of sustaining love in relationships, but also to minimize our own self-sabotage because when we don't acknowledge our regrets or our mistakes, then we can, we will repeat them. They will be there repeated as self-destructive behavior over and over again, self-sabotage and self-destruction over and over again when we don't um, face up consciously to our regrets. So conscious regret is a learning process, and it's a very important, heartfelt feeling. That's why conscious existential guilt or regret is a heartfelt feeling dynamic, and it's basic to our organic beings, our natural organic state as human beings. Now, what has been so much in the psychoanalytic literature before with Freudian literature has been a kind of guilt that is not existential guilt that can become grief and healing and mourning like I spoke about, but rather a neurotic kind of guilt that is a cognitive construction that's related to superego internalization with critical punitive parents that can become, obviously, we internalize and we identify with our parents. As Freud said in Morning Melancholia, 
the shadow of the object falls upon the ego. The shadow of the parent's personality falls upon the child. And the child is forced to identify with its primary caretakers, mother, father, and, and all the primal caretakers. So the mother, of course, is the first one that gets internalized in infancy. And then the father becomes so important, as Freud talked about those later developments, that were the Oedipal level and beyond, rather than just the pre-Oedipal, that Klein specializes in. So um, we can have this, what we can call cognitive defensive guilt or neurotic guilt built into us through identifying with parents and their what they say is wrong, what they criticize us for, punish us for, persecute us for around, and, and this can be create a sense of guilt, but that's not heartfelt feeling that I did someone to hurt someone or I did something I regret. It's more a cognitive defense that just is reactive, can be repressed, and then can operate on and on and on to make us feel conflict about things and to inhibit ourselves in a neurotic way because we feel guilty. But it's not a feeling, it's, it's a cognitive defense. And then we have the spurious kind of guilt with spurious kind of guilt of Ronald Fairburn in his moral defense. And there we have, again, something that isn't this existential grief as guilt. It's not about hurting the one we love and consciously facing our guilt and owning it. Instead, it's spurious moral defense for Fairburn was when the child does not feel safe in the world because, but has to lie to itself about that because it cannot survive psychologically without feeling there's a safe, some safety with the parents they're totally dependent on. So basically they lie to themselves and say, blame themselves for the parents' problems and transgressions against them. This kind of dynamic was so sensationally received in Seoul and South Korea when I spoke there in 2006. They had invited me there for 11 days, but there was a three-day conference on my work called Developmental Morning versus the Demon Lover Complex with the first institute in Seoul and South Korea, and it was an object relations-oriented institute founded on, related to the curriculum I had founded for the Object Relations Institute in New York. And when I spoke there for three days, I not only spoke about my theories, which was the topic of the conference, developmental mourning versus the demon lover complex is pathological mourning. But I also spoke about Freud, Klein, Winnicott, Fairburn, and Michael Bell, and, and then leading up, to, and Bowlby leading up to my homework. When I spoke about Ronald Fairburn and the moral defense, there was a sensational response. The women were crying hysterically, I want a therapist. The men were all asking a million questions because they were excited. And what excited them was that this schizoid defense of the moral defense is characteristic of the Asian culture. And the director of the institute, 
Dr. J. Lee said, oh yes, we're a schizoid culture. That's why we operate through this moral defense. So the moral defense is another false kind of guilt or spurious kind of guilt. It's not heartfelt guilt that I feel I did something wrong and I hurt somebody or I did something that I know is wrong. Instead, it's all cognitively um, there as a defensive operation where the child learns to blame themselves for the parents' problems, to protect them, themselves from the fear that the parents are dangerous, destructive, or unstable or insecure, anything that would make them feel unsafe. They defend their sense of safety in order to psychologically survive by blaming themselves and rationalizing that parents are punishing them for something they didn't do, they'll say they did do it to themselves in order to protect the image of the parents. So, so the purpose of the defense is to protect the image of the parent so that the child feels safe. And that way they feel they're with a good enough parent when they're not, or when the, they're, the real aspects that are destructive to them from the parents are denied even um, whether the parent is good enough or not, the destructive aspects of the parent are denied. And Fairburn was really writing about children with parents that were really pathologically destructive to the children's development. Um, and then the child would all the more need to defend the parent's image in their mind by blaming themselves for everything and rationalizing when they're blamed by the parent that they really did things when they didn't even do it to protect the image of the parent. Now Fairburn uses the phrase, um, it's better to be Satan in a world ruled by God than God in a world ruled by Satan. He came from studying to, for the ministry. He never went to get his actual ministry minister uh, certificate, but he went through the training. So he talked in this language when he was writing about psychoanalysis, writing about schizoid personalities in his collected papers of 1952. And we have that volume today, which I've drawn on many times to teach about Ronald Fairburn. And this moral defense is one of the most crucial and critical things that students respond to, just like the audience in Seoul in South Korea, which was 150 or 160 people responded to so strongly when I spoke because they were they were like recognizing this like oh yeah like I've been punishing myself I've been blaming myself for things that my parents didn't and they were all upset and agitated and excited about finding out about this so that's a false kind of guilt in terms of our organic human being feeling states, it's not existential guilt, it's like the neurotic guilt, it's a cognitively defensive operation that we blame the self but we're not really feeling in our hearts that we're guilty like an existential guilt which can become grief. When you have existential guilt you can grieve the loss you created by your behavior, try to have reparation for your behavior, it's never total reparation, that would be like the idea of believing it's total would be like manic reparation in Klein's view. It's not, it's, but it's authentic reparation 
were what she called true reparation and which led to Winnicott's idea of the true and false self, by the way, when you have true and false reparation in Malin Klein. Um, that true reparation is the heartfelt feeling of existential guilt as grief. And I, of course, I called on this from myself in order to write this book on anatomy of regret. So I, as a human being, worked with this and then saw it so much in my patients, so I wrote about all the cases there. And then I have one long case in those articles on part one and part two of neurotic guilt versus existential guilt in the American Journal of Psychoanalysis, I believe in the 1990s, or it might have been in the uh, 2000. Um, but those papers will be in my selected paper volumes with international psychoanalytic books. Okay, it's been a pleasure to talk to you again today about such an important dynamic as what existential guilt is true guilt versus neurotic or the spurious guilt of the moral defense. Difference between our hearts and cognitive defense operations. Thank you so much for joining me today. Dr. Susan Cavalier-Adler. Over and out. Okay.